welcome back to uh, Madness in the Method, the show we talk about Nicolas Cage and all his his never-ending stream of movies that he makes. And uh, today we're talking about another John Woo movie, right? Yes, it is. Yes, it is Wind Talkers, his second war movie in a row. Uh, my name is Tobias, and with me as always is uh, my friend and trusted co-host, Christopher. See? I remember just fine. Hello, everyone. Almost. Almost forgot, <laughs> but I did. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we're talking about Wind Talkers. Um, and, uh, uh, yeah. It's, uh, I hadn't seen it before. I'd seen, like, one scene, I realized, as I was watching it. So, um, it was quite an experience, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> but had you seen it before? No, I had not seen it. I had not heard of it. I did. I knew nothing about this movie. Ah. Except now that, that it, I, well, except it. I I oh. knew the poster, so I I knew it was a war movie. Oh. Okay. Uh, I didn't didn't know it was a sec- second World War movie. I was suspecting uh, uh, like Vietnam movie, but apparently not. Um, well, it's almost always. Uh, it's one or the other. World War Two. Yeah. Uh, Especially around this time, since it's in it's in the wake of uh, uh, Saving Private Ryan. Yeah. So, so last week we talked about um, the Captain Corelli's Cor- um, Corelli's mandolin. Mandolin. Um, yeah. And I talked about uh, that. I was very happy about that movie because it was not what war movies usually are. Uh, yeah. And uh, this movie is exactly what I. Uh, I was glad the other movie wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a generic as hell war movie. Yeah, there is. Oh. I I would hazard to say there is nothing uh, noteworthy at all of this movie. Yeah, not not really. <laughs> they try to do it about ooh these special code talkers, but that doesn't really have a lot to do with the movie. Yeah. Uh, it's yeah, it is, it is horrifically, uh, like middle of the road. It's yeah. so boring. And it's 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 interesting that it's so boring because it there's you just see that a lot of money has been spent making this movie. There's a yeah. lot of explosions and people dying and things happening and. A lot of extras. And there's just a lot of everything, but nothing is really interesting. But that's 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 kind of the thing, also, that so much of this movie is spent on uh, like action. We 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 barely have a story. Yeah, it's all just oh this this uh, I don't know this troop or squadron or I don't know how many people they are. Um. They you they they have to go to Saipan to take to to basically um, defeat the Japanese soldiers on that island. Yeah, and as they That's say, the story. which is just weird that they even just say in that way because this is a very America hoorah movie, and they say yeah. we're invading their home, we're taking their home from them. It's like well, that doesn't. Are you the baddies? What's going on? Well, it's. Uh, it's it's after 
Um, yeah, yeah. What's it called? Yeah, Pearl Harbor. Be, yeah, so. sure, in context, but and it's such weird. It was a very unprovoked attack, so you know. <laughs> yeah, I can't blame America for attacking Japan. Yeah, but it's just so weird in this movie because we didn't see anything of Pearl Harbor or any context no, sure. in this movie. It's just, it just comes up very weird. <laughs> And they do say it that way. This is their home, but we're going to fucking take yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, it's just <laughs> the way they're saying it in the movie. It's just, wait, hey, yeah, hey, sure. hey. Are you, hang it's on. It's weird. <laughs> um, yeah. It's a very weird movie. Weird movie. And, and like I said, boring. Because yeah. all the action is pretty similar. It's the same over and over again. Yeah. And even though... Um, it's shot uh, like an action movie instead of like this. It's not like a dramatic. It's not like Saving Private Ryan, where it's all like gritty and realistic. No, people are jumping and they're like, there's swords and knives, and you see, um, uh, what's his name? Oh no! Cage? Uh, no, no, uh, what the hell? The other guy, Christian Slater. Oh, you right. see him do a bunch of cowboy roles, just like he did in the other. Uh, John Woo movie he was in. Uh, it's called Broken Arrow. Yeah. He likes to do with cowboy roles. <laughs> and it's just like... It's shot more like an action movie. Which makes the the, the violence less... Uh, eff- eff- effective as like... A, or, um, as, you know, violence in war movies you usually try to depict like how horrible it is. And here it just feels like, yeah, fuck yeah! Yeah, it's, 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 it's shot the wrong way. Yeah, and it's... For the most part. And it's... A lot of small details that really sort of... Destroys the... The, the action. Like, the music is so weird in this movie. I don't know if you even notice it. Uh, I noticed it here and there. I didn't really think about the it. The music sort of felt like... Uh, taken straight from a 50s horror movie. <laughs> okay, well, no, I didn't It was very <laughs> instrumental and very, like... <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Uh, weird. Um, I just didn't. It didn't. It didn't work. It didn't feel uh, like the movie. How do you say it? It's you didn't. didn't get, you didn't get engaged at all. You didn't get the blood pumping. You didn't feel anything in the movie. Yeah, sure. Um, it's just. Yeah, I don't know. It didn't work. No, it just <laughs> didn't work, and. And no, 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 no. I, I, I agree. I agree with that definitely. And Nicolas Cage was just sort of sleepwalking through the movie, not yes. really doing anything. Uh, no, this is one of those movies where it doesn't really feel like he's he's giving it his all. Yeah. And um, I was actually wondering, uh, and I guess we could have talked about this earlier. Um, in this stage of his career, but I, I didn't really think about it until now. And it's like, because in his earlier movies, um, like ninety percent of them, I mean, movies before leaving Las Vegas mm. when he was still like up and coming, um, you you understood why he chose that movie. It was either a, a specific director or it was a specific you know specific kind of movie. It was always like almost always you're like, I get it, I get why he picked this. Mm. Um, but now in this stage of his career, like in the beginning, you understand like, ah, he gets to do the big Hollywood action movie. Um, and he did that a couple of times and then he does something a little bit different with the, like, um, what's it called? The family man. Mm. But at this point, 
especially right after Captain Curly's Mandolin, he he does another war movie. And I, I guess maybe it's like, oh, well, it's John Woo. Maybe he enjoyed working with John Woo, but it, it doesn't seem like it. Because, like you said, it feels like he's kind of sleepwalking his way through it. And I'm just wondering, why did he choose to make this movie? I don't. I, there's no like clear like reasoning for it that you can see in the movie. Yeah, I agree. The only thing I can think of is that <laughs> he signed up for it because he, he had a fun time making Face Off. Uh, yeah. And then it just didn't work. That he just realized during production that, oh, well, this wasn't fun. Yeah, that's the only thing I can think of as well. Yeah. But it, it feels like that should have been obvious because there's one thing to shoot action movies and there's one thing to shoot war movies. They're very different. Yeah. I um, mean, John Woo shoots good action. Um,. But he doesn't, like, after watching this, he doesn't shoot war movies well. I've seen one other, like, big uh, spectacle war movie that he shot many years later called um, The Battle at Red Cliff, I think it's called. It's okay, like, I haven't heard uh, of that. No, it's, uh, do you know the, the, the video game series Dynasty Warriors? Yeah. Yeah, it's based on one of the actual battles from that oh, okay. uh, real, real world uh, war, yeah. or whatever you want to call it. Era, um, and uh, he's better at it because mm. it's it's later. He's done even more movies. He's done similar movies, but it's still like it still feels more like an action movie than a war epic. Yeah. So I, I I don't think that's his forte. I guess Nick, Nicholas Cage couldn't know that at that time, but yeah. So I guess I'm I'm looking at it with you know hindsight is twenty twenty, but still. Um, it feels like a weird choice for John Woo to make uh, a dramatic war movie. Yeah, very. Um, just weird choice all around. There's a lot of good actors doing pretty bad performances too in this movie. Yeah, no one, no one sticks out no. as like good. And we have like Mark Ruffalo, Peter Stormare. We have um, um, Slater. Uh, yeah, Nicolas Cage. And uh, what is what is she called? She's not. Barely in the movie, but um, oh yeah, Francis O'Connor. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, and even smaller, like like the guy who played Chick, Noah Emmerich. Oh um, right, Jason, yeah. I- Jason Isaacs is in one scene of the movie. Yeah. Like, little small, smaller actor, but still people you recognize. Yeah, um, and no one is particularly interesting. No. at all, really. And it's just, how did this happen? Uh, how, what what went wrong? In what stage? Is it just? That some <laughs> some producer just signed up a lot of actors and just hoped it would be good, and then realized later on, oh, wasn't. Or what happened? I, I don't know. I have no, I have no, I have no, I have no <laughs> idea. Yeah. Like, uh, I, I didn't, I didn't do any research on this one because I watched it and I was like, Ugh, I kind of like try to forget about it. <laughs> yeah. This was the. This was wrong, also like wrong the, thing to do when you're doing a podcast. But still, this is like the first movie, uh, also in this podcast, where I where I actually fell asleep during the movie. <laughs> uh, it was just the battle scene was just so the movie was just so long. It felt so long, never ended. Yeah, <sighs> yeah. it's kind of interesting. Also, it's the it's the. I mean, it's not his like his only second other war movie but it's the this is probably the closest in style to Firebirds so 
Yeah, I mean, I, it's just something about those action war movies. <laughs> they don't work. I was thinking of that. That this this is <laughs> it's not that bad. I, I would say uh, this is probably worse than Firebird to me. No, I, I no, think no. so. Firebirds is terrible. This is just bland. And even isn't that even worse? We talked I about guess this in a way. We talked about this I mean, a lot, of, but I think it has worse. I'm thinking like impure, like. Uh, uh, technical craft. This is better than Firebirds, you know. Um, but I guess it would be yeah. more fun to watch Firebirds because you can laugh at how bad yeah, it is. I would, this I is would rather watch Firebirds than this again. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, one hundred percent. What is there just to say? Is this? I don't know. Oh, yeah, this. You know, we we haven't said it in a while, but this might be a short episode. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, we're struggling. Twelve minutes in, there was nothing to say because nothing happens. No, there's yes. nothing to talk about. They just they. There's the scene in the beginning where uh, they we see Nicolas Cage fight. There's an action scene which is pretty bad. Uh, yeah, and then yeah. And then there's the scene where they're training, as people are slightly racist. Yeah. And then they go to the island and they fight. And then they're slightly racist, and then they fight. Yeah, there's, there's these little, like, 30-second scenes where either, like, oh, we learned something cool about the, the Navajo, or, yeah. oh, look, this guy's racist. But then, you know, he gets better. Like, there's nothing interesting, because <laughs> no. that's what every... Movie is like one guy's gonna be racist and the other ones are just gonna be a little passively racist yeah. until they're saved by. I mean, he literally says it like, "Oh my God, why? Uh, what's his name? A white horse saved my life. I wonder what Custer would say about that." I was like, "Come on, <laughs> dude! <laughs> Could it be any more obvious?" Uh, yeah, it's it's terrible. <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> that aspect, like the script, is terrible. Yeah, the script is terrible. The music is terrible. The acting is fine, I guess. The direction <laughs> is uh, passable. The action, passable. The action is fine. The rest is yeah. Yeah, but it's, it's for some <laughs> reason not even the action. I couldn't get into it. I don't know if if it was the subject matter of. Uh, the the all, all all the actual racism. Yeah. Which is, fine, sure, it is historically accurate, but it doesn't it doesn't make me root for them. Uh, when they're just being racist all the time. Um, yeah. So so it, maybe that, maybe it's this extreme bloodthirst from the Americans, where they seem like super savage, and that they. Sp- point out that they're attacking a, an island of people and it's their home. I don't know. All of that context maybe not be enjoying the action and it actually didn't look cool. It just looked yeah. kind of horrible most of the time. And the, the, whole, the whole message gets confused when um, in any other movie like this like Flags of Our Fathers or Letters from Iwo Jima it's the whole thing, like, yeah, we hate the Japanese for what they did, but I mean, we're not we're not fighting the Japanese. We're fighting people who are just as scared as we are. The no. whole thing, and then you have that scene where they talk to the little girl, and like these are these are just people. They're not evil, but it gets mixed up when 
the same message, this like message of tolerance is also portrayed uh, in the American crew, crew, since you have the, the two Navajo um, yeah. uh, people. Um, so it's just like, racism bad twice so none of the stories gets enough attention to like feel fleshed out enough yeah and directly after that an action scene starts and they just scream kill the japs i have to kill yeah. them all <laughs> and it's just <laughs> oh when when uh, uh the guy the, the scene where where uh, the um uh the 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 Yat- Ben Yatsi. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you noticed that. The guy's called Ben Yatsi. Yeah, yeah, As yeah. The guy from... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> the YouTube guy. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> when he's, like, washing himself in the lake, and then the, the one racist, like, real racist uh, uh, soldier is like, oh, you kind of look like a Jap without the clothes. This oh. is like, yeah, but they're from different countries. It's It's very, like... I guess you know racists are dumb, so like he doesn't care. But it's still like they they don't even look that much alike. But whatever, that whole scene where he says, "Oh, you look like a Jap," and then later in the movie he literally says, "Like, oh, I do look like them, so I can disguise myself as one of them." It's <laughs> yeah. like, all right, I don't know, what what message are you sending here? <laughs> I guess we kind of do look all the same. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Just, ugh. Uh, yeah, it gets very confused. Yeah. Uh, they're trying to do some like they're trying they're trying to do something, but it just does not work. Yeah, I think the message get muddled very. I think very. I think muddled. that's the best description of this movie. It should be the tagline. They try to do something. <laughs> uh, yeah, and it's just. <sighs> I mean, even now I'm looking at the poster. <laughs> even the even the tagline is terrible. Because there's no, like, there's a tagline should be, like, you know, witty or have something to say about the movie. Here, the tagline is literally a quote from the movie that just says, The Navajo has the code. Protect the code at all costs. <laughs> mm, yeah. I guess it's the whole thing, like, yeah, protect the code, not the Navajo. Yeah. The whole thing, like, you have to kill them if they get captured. Yeah. But it's still... <sighs> and also, why is the movie called Wind Talkers? Yeah, they never mention it. They call them code talkers yeah, all the time. What? They never mention that wind talker is like code for code talker. What the fuck is a wind talker? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, <sighs> yeah. It's, it's uh, a mess, this movie. It's a mess, definitely. Uh, what was it? It was something yeah, else I... I was thinking of? Um, <sighs> fuck. Oh, never mind. I there was something, but I, I lost it. <laughs> I could I could keep this movie in my mind for more than thirty seconds. Yeah, yeah. I, I wrote that as well. I, I reviewed this on Letterbox mm. just before this, and it's just like, yeah, I'll forget this movie even existed in like two weeks. Yeah, yeah. Or at least I forget everything that happened in it. Yeah. Cause there's nothing memorable about it. There should have been there should have been more than just two Navajo characters as well. Yeah. Right, that was what we were thinking. Nicholas Cage character. The mm. f- fuck is that going on? It's just we have this guy who <clears throat> he did he went through something where all his friends, I guess, died. Mm-hmm. And it's it's not off screen, technically, but it's almost off screen because we don't know anything's going on in that scene. 
Yeah, we don't know those characters. Yeah. We know, oh, that's Nicolas Cage. I guess this scene is important. I don't know. Uh, it would almost be better if they were just voices in his head. Yeah. Oh. And so, so we have this guy, and then he gets this job, and he's he can't he can't hear, <sighs> which they just sort of drop. It's a it's a big plot point in the beginning that he can't hear. He shouldn't. He's not good enough to fight. He has to cheat on the hearing exam to get into the fighting. Then they sort of drop that. Uh, yeah, except that he not, except that he really... looks a little pained sometimes and takes some pills, and that's just it. Yeah. And so so we have that thing, and he has his trauma and his his things, and he for some reason doesn't want to do want to protect Nahavos. I guess he just wants to kill people and not protect people. I guess. It's to show that he's angry. <laughs> yeah. And then he's he has this sort of sort of love story that we also just drop is there yeah. lingering She's in the never... background but it has no bearing <laughs> on the entire story at all. Yeah, because they kind of rush through it in the beginning, and then she's never in the movie no. again, except for like a couple of voiceovers. Yeah, scenes. he gets the letters, then he just, oh, I'm not going to read her letters. Why? Why not? Because yeah. I'm, I'm... Yeah. They never, they never explore that as that, like, the, sh- the shell shock, post-traumatic stress disorder aspect of it. It just, he gets angry, and he gets, like, he starts shaking sometimes, but... That never has an impact on the story. It just oh. feels like, yeah, they, they drop it halfway through the movie, basically. Yeah, so they just they just take all these things that... They, they spend a few minutes on, like, every plot point, and then they drop it and move along to the next plot point, spend two minutes on that, and then leave that, too. <coughs> yeah. And these things with the Navajos, where they do these rituals before battle, and so, oh, that's weird. Never hear, never talk about that again. And then yeah. uh, Slater and Whitehorse, they sort of play music together. Never do that again. Uh, it's just, why? Why is these things in the movie? What's going on? It's like it's like they had a script. Um, uh, I'm, I'm, I, I don't know if like, it was... Uh, there is... I was thinking like it, how if this was like edited down and it was, it was better... Um, like like the script was more fe- felt more complete, but they had to like cut a bunch of stuff after shooting it. And the only thing I can find is that there is a director's cut available on DVD that is 22 minutes long. Oh, Jesus! I don't know if 22 minutes would help, I but can't you know, at least that. at least it's an indication that there was something. Yeah. I mean, the um, only way the movie got changed at some the point. The only way so 22 I'm... minutes could help is if they like remove 30 minutes and then add 50 <laughs> other minutes to this movie. Uh. Well, it wasn't too. I don't think it was too long. It's just over two hours, which is fine for me. I think. I think it's it. It's too long for this. It's it felt too long because the scene the scenes never ended. It just kept on going. If it would have been one and a half hours, I wouldn't say I would enjoy it more, but I wouldn't be bored out of my fucking skull throughout the entire movie. <laughs> it just tightened yeah. it up. Sure, sure. And uh, but I'm 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 thinking like they had like a checklist of things from the script and then the longer cut. Like we need these things to be in the movie. Mm. Um, so just try to trim the fat. So they it, uh, uh, then they and then trim they the resolution kind of, of every plot point movie. in the movie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't know. Um, it's it's um, 
I I I um recently uh well I didn't recently watch it but I I recently talked with another friend like just briefly about Shadow of the Vampire you know mm-hmm. the um yeah. behind the scenes movie about uh, uh, Nosferatu yeah. um coincidentally that was produced by Nicolas Cage so mm-hmm. yeah um and that's another movie that feels like it was like you can you can almost feel that there are scenes missing from that movie especially towards the end um, I'm not saying there's a connection here. I just I just thought of it because it was a a, a thing I thought of like this week. Um, and I'm wondering if this is a similar situation. Like, like for for like producers wanted it to be shorter, or they had to cut stuff for you know the censors or something, and things were just cut out that made this movie make less sense. I get I get that feeling. So what I have read about the movie, and I I am not ready to. To check the sh- check out the director's cut, but what I've seen is and what I've heard is the f- well, I'm reading reading now. <laughs> the film was intended to be John Woo's dramatic breakout film for a major mm. studio, and a lot of effort was put into hiring the right people to invoke his vision. However, the studio saw this more as a wartime action film and forced Woo to re-edit it as such, which was the version released to theaters. That makes sense. Then. They wanted a John Woo movie, and John Woo, Woo wanted to make a, uh, a dramatic yeah. movie. So yeah. sure, it maybe, but I, I, I am not willing to make because I can't see how this could work. So I'm not willing mm. to to give it like three hours more on this movie. No, I don't. Yeah, I don't think it would. I don't think it would help a lot. It maybe would have been better, but I don't think it would. Like, Drastically improve the quality of the no. film. No, I don't no. think so. <sighs> Which is that's, that's sad because John Woo is a good director. This just wasn't the right project for him. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. John Woo is. He's, I would say he's great. It's one of the greats, definitely. Yeah, I mean, we talked about Face Off. We both like love that yeah. movie. It's one of the best action movies of the nineties. <laughs> um, and I recently, because of that discussion, I uh, decided to watch Broken Arrow. Mm. Which uh, I I told you right yeah. like off air yeah yeah um it's like it's it's lower budget and it's a little silly but it's a, it's a great action movie yeah it's, it's, Christian Slater is a great action hero in that movie I wish we had more of that yeah I mean Christian Slater he he he's sort of had his renaissance now now the the few the last few years yeah with, start with Mr Robot right uh yeah but he did a few indie movies before that was. Really great. He did the uh, oh, okay. uh, a quiet man, a serious man, uh, something a man, something a man. <laughs> he made okay. Um, where he's like a middle-aged, hair-thinned office worker who fantasizes about killing oh. killing everyone is at his company. <laughs> and it, it's a fucking great movie. Um, but yeah, so he made a lot of small indie movies where it's like, oh, this he's he's not just an action hero. He's actually a great a great character actor too and then Mr. Robot came along um, yeah but the problem is that, that never really he never really had his super super stardom no yeah exactly it, it, and it's... he's he's sort of considered one of the old action stars but he never was an action star he did a few yeah. action movies but he should have been an action star because he's fun he, as fun as he fun. should yeah he, he should have been like I said in Broken Arrow he's great his fucking cowboy roles in this movie is great. He should he should have been like yeah, a big '90s action star. Yeah. I don't know why he wasn't. 
Um, but I, 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 because I, 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 I only recognize him from like smaller parts in in like early two thousands movies. Yeah. Um, and then. Uh, what's it called? Heather's. That's about it. Like, uh, true romance. I don't know what he did. A uh, true romance, right? But I'm not a fan of true romance. Oh, That's a thing. Uh-huh. Eh, I don't like true romance. Um, he uh, was a quiet man. Is the movie I was talking about? Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, check it out. It's a really f- great movie. Yeah. Oh, he was a quiet man. Yeah, there it is. Uh, oh yeah. Okay, I've seen. Yeah, I've seen the poster, but I've never watched the movie. Yeah. Okay. Uh, um. Yeah, that's that's the biggest like detriment to this movie. Like it shows. Like Christian Slater's pretty good. He should have been in yeah, more stuff. Yeah, I mean, Christian you know, Slater. More I think, big stuff. I think. Yeah, Christian Slater. <laughs> Christian Slater. I think he is actually pretty good in this movie. Yeah, he's the only good part of the movie. His character is. Um, he should have more been interesting the main, in a main way. character. Yeah. Exactly. Um, because he's more like uh, he's he's kind of almost feels like he's a little bit happy-go-lucky in the beginning, um, and he's more accepting of of the Navajo uh, guys. Um, so it'd be more fun to see like how war affected him during the movie yeah. instead of having uh, uh Nicholas Cage's character who's already affected by the war. Yeah, um, because Cage's... his character's kind of like it's already set in stone when the movie starts, and he doesn't change that much. Yeah, Nicholas Cage's character, there's nowhere for his character to go, really. Yeah, not really. Yeah, yeah. and and it would be more interesting to, as you said, follow Christian Slater, going through, co- going from Happy Go Lucky to sort of Nicholas Cage's character, going. Yeah, have that. And have uh... Nicholas Cage's character uh, on the sideline, sort of. It, it would have been more interesting. I, I yeah. don't know if it would have been good, but no, better. but it would have been better at least. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it sort of like um, uh, sort of like Ben Yatsi. What's the guy's name? Who played Ben Yatsi. Adam Beach. Mm. Sort of like his character. He's kind of innocent in the beginning, but then he becomes like this uh, bitter, embattled guy who just starts fucking killing all the Japs in the end. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh. That comes too late in the movie, though. His change. Yeah. Uh. And it's pretty. It's pretty weird. I think he's changed is because it's it's one of those moments where the the acting should speak for itself that you can see in his eyes that he has changed, but yeah, you don't really but... get that. No, there's a bunch of him like just being mean to Nicolas Cage instead. Yeah, and just <laughs> screaming, and it's this, you can feel you you can see what the movie wants you to feel all the time. Yeah, but you, well, but you don't really you don't feel, feel any of it. You don't connect at yeah. any point with anyone. Uh, yeah. and and you you can can read the scenes. Oh, okay, now we should feel that he is angry and he has given up and he's he's taking his revenge just like Nicolas Cage did and has done throughout the movie. But I don't feel it at all. It's just okay, cool. Uh, no, that's uh, the the classic like like most war movies. Uh, unless they're about like some like victorious battle or something, but other than that, most war movies have more or less have the same message. It's war is hell, which they literally say in the platoon. But it's that's that's every war movie. War is hell, and it ruins people. Um, and it's it's a pretty easy one to like uh, understand, and that's why I think war movies can be very effective, like like Seven Private Ryan or or Platoon or like. Uh, uh, well, I don't know anyone else right now. No. Uh, but you know. Yeah. Um, and you, you usually 
it's pretty pretty easy to like get immersed and like uh, uh, connect emotionally connect to the characters. I never really did that in this movie. It was like 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 we said, like you said, like yeah, this is where I'm supposed to feel sad. This is where I'm supposed to understand why he's angry. But I never really did it. Yeah. I just I just recognized ah this is that scene, but it's like okay, next instead. Uh, just a trivia. Nicholas Cage actually learned to speak Navajo fluently for this part, despite the fact that his character in the film does not. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Cage later said that he did it, uh, did it to, did it to better understand the script. But John Woo maintained that Cage has misunderstood the character which was cast. <laughs> just... Yeah. Why would he need to better understand the script? Yeah. His character has nothing to do with the language of Navajo. Yeah. You better if you learn about the culture, maybe, but don't have to learn the. No, that's but cool, I, though. It, of course he did. But, of course he did. Yeah. But it does it does it does sort of feel, uh, feel on point that in this movie that Nicolas Cage just Mister understood his entire character, and that's why we have this sort of weird performance from him because he doesn't bring the the Cage energy at all. No, even, not at even all. Even when like screaming and and shooting and being this super uh, up uh, energetic guy, it's not the cage energy. It's just fake energy in a way. Yeah. No. Yeah. This one, he, he it really feels like he's phoning it in. Yeah. Um, it's, it's like this. Oh, now I'm going to scream. Ah. Sorry. Yeah, a little bit. Um, uh, there's like one scene where where you, where you get that that you know that Nicolas Cage thing that he does that when he's drunk and walking around the the graves. Uh, but yeah, it doesn't it doesn't connect. It feels forced. Yeah, which it shouldn't do. It should feel natural coming from him, and it doesn't yeah, at all. That, that's the, as we talked about a lot about that. That's sort of his biggest strength. That. No matter how weird the character is, it always feels natural from from him. Mm-hmm. Feels like yeah, here it didn't. Yeah, and and again, Firebirds is the other movie that that happened. Which just <laughs> yeah. it doesn't feel like he cares, and it's yeah, you don't feel it. Um, I'm just looking at the scores of of the movies we made, and uh, so it is only Firebirds because Deadfall also has a bad score. But that, but in you buy his energy in that movie. It, oh it's yeah, just that, he's great. Yeah, it's just the movie. rest of the movie. That's the problem. Yeah, uh, well, we 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 gave that like what four or something. Oh no, uh, two and three. No, oh, two and three. Okay, sure. Uh, but I mean, without without Nicolas Cage, that would have been like a zero. Yeah. That movie is so boring. Yeah, and <laughs> yeah. so I think Firebird is the only other movie where he doesn't. You don't buy the the. You don't get that energy. I don't know if you can remember yeah. any other. I can, but uh, I don't know if I should mention it because it's the last episode. Oh, um, gone in sixty uh, seconds. Kind of feel like he was sleepwalking. As yeah, well. that that's fair. That's fair. Um, uh, if, yeah. if for anyone wondering what I mean is, uh, my computer crashed during the editing of that episode, so the audio does not exist anymore. At least not my audio. Mm. Um, but at some point in the future, we may re- record that episode again. Just maybe, maybe. Uh, yeah. I, I, I had to let that one go. <laughs> well, it's a lost episode. Yeah, but but yeah, you're right. That's that's the other pa- time when he's sort of you don't you don't get the energy. Mm, uh, no, not really. 
And I'm not saying the energy is always something you want or need. Look, no, looking sure. at you, Moonstruck. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> I, okay, I love him in Moonstruck. But sure, I get what you're saying. <laughs> uh, but but yeah, in this movie, you really need that energy. So, yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, have you looked up any reviews for the movie? Uh, I looked up the score. <laughs> um, it got a bunch. It got, I mean, it got some really or pretty damn good reviews. Oh, really? But it also got some. Yeah, but it got some pretty pretty bad reviews. Um, the best it got was uh, well, first of all, the the meta score, the average is fifty one, so straight down the middle. Yeah, it it, yeah. it did bomb. At the box office, it did. yeah, okay, yeah, it, it, yeah, it did bomb quite spectacular. It it got it it cost lot, around seventy something millions to make. Uh, yeah. In America, it got forty one million, Ooh. and worldwide, I think it was like one hundred fourteen or something. So yeah, so, that that's that's a loss. Yeah, that's that's not good because <laughs> they usually don't don't uh, put in the uh, marketing right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you can you can easily double seventy. Yeah, so, so it's probably closer to one hundred and fifty. Yeah, million. so so they probably didn't even make their money back on this movie. No, um, no, this was a loss yeah. probably. But uh, it got the best it got was a nine out of ten from Reader, some magazine Reader. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jonathan Rosenbaum said, despite some of the sentimentality that is also Wu's stock in trade, I was moved and absorbed throughout. And I'm like, what movie did you watch? <laughs> um, oh, here, here's... Here, uh, oof. Uh, eight, you got an 88, or 8.8 out of 10 mm-hmm. from Chicago Tribune. It's the best new battle film since Black Hawk Down. A movie it surpasses in sheer feeling and bravura style. I'm sorry, If not what? in nightmarish panic and suspense. Yeah, what are you smoking? <laughs> Black Hawk Down is amazing. That, this is that, trash that's compared to Black Hawk Down. That's actually a good war movie. Yeah, that's a great mm. war movie. And I don't really like <laughs> war movies. Yeah. Um, and then some, you know, uh, middle-of-the-road stuff. A bunch of sixes and fives. And then the really bad ones here is from the Christian Science Monitor. Hmm. Uh, gave it a two and a half out of ten. Um, says, this is a great subject for a movie. Yeah, sure. Mm. But Hollywood has squandered the opportunity, using it as a prop for warmed-over melodrama and the kind of choreographed mayhem that director <laughs> John Woo has built his career on. Yeah, exactly. He's not right for the for the role, or the directing role. Uh, it's become all about the action instead of the, the tragedy. And then the worst one is a 2 out of 10 from the Wall Street Journal. Um, Joe Morgenstern says the Navajo must have sent much more crucial messages at much higher levels during the war but you never know it from this movie mm. Wind Talkers is practically all action and no talk yeah, yeah. exactly so I, uh, the user reviews is very scattered there are ones there are sixes there are eights it's all over the place so there's there's doesn't seem like a consensus at all um, very up and down um, overall, it's like 6.1 god, I think. Um, but I did find two interesting reviews. Uh, one uh-huh. review is a review of the director's cut. Or, well, a, a person has oh. seen both the move, both cuts. Okay. And he says, uh, or she, uh, r- says, Main advantages of the, of the director's cut are more fleshed-out characters. You get more background on all main characters, including the two Navajo code talkers. I felt more involved as a result. 
the code talker part of the story is served better, but still not enough. Um, and and it also says it has more uncut battle scenes. Wu really shows oh. his talent there with the raw yet beautiful shot uh, war action. Uh, you get oh. the sense that you're in the middle of the action. Uh, it was, I was particularly interested in if uh, I was particularly interested if a scene was put back in where a U.S. soldier takes a golden tooth from a Japanese corpse. This scene is described in several documentaries about censorship by the U.S. Army. Not completely surprisingly, this scene is also absent in the, in the director's cut. Hmm. So that was that was pretty interesting. Uh, yeah. And then I found and that was an eight out of ten. I think that's for the director's cut. I think. Uh, and then there's a six out of ten. Uh, with the, the review doesn't sound like a six out of ten, but yeah. but I, <laughs> I I just like this review. Um, okay. I thought this was a film about Navajo code talkers. Well, it's not. While there are a couple of Navajos in the film, the story revolves around Nicolas Cage winning World War II all by himself. This guy is incredible and makes John Wayne look like a wimp. Every time the Marines are in trouble, up jumps jumps good old Nicolas Cage with his Thompson and pow! The battle is won. I wonder how he won World War II without Nicolas Cage. The film has a lot of combat footage, and most of it is very well done. Eh... That alone is worth a watch, but I don't expect to learn much of anything about the Navajo Code Talkers. You should read about them because there, there's, uh, there was an import. They were an important part of the history, but they're a minor part in this film. I gave it a six only because of the good combat footage. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> but yeah, so um, yeah, it it seems like again people who like. Action. The ones who didn't like the last movie like this movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because uh, I mean, if you if you're into to like just gory war action scenes, I guess this would work. Yeah, yeah. Because definitely, because there's more action than drama. Yeah. And the the you know, like all the all the action scenes are long, and there's there's. A bunch of explosions and people losing body like said, parts all over the place. Yeah, and they're well shot yeah. and uh, well well choreographed and directed. It's just that you know it <laughs> it loses the, the soul yeah. that should be in between the action, unfortunately. Yeah. So uh, so another another reason maybe why this movie did so bad in the box office. Uh, it was released on the same day as uh, Scooby Doo. <laughs> and the Born Identity. Yeah, both better movies than this. Yeah, and both were box office hits. So I think people went yeah. to either of those instead. Uh, Which is, uh, you know, it's I, it's it's good, I guess, that they went and saw Born Identity because that's actually a good movie. Mm. And while I do enjoy uh, the live-action Scooby-Doo, especially the first one, um. It's it's the kind of movie that you, they should have skipped making, but you know what? At least it's more fun than this one. Yeah. Uh, so just one last trivia for for uh, the Swedish audience. Oh yeah, <laughs> uh, Mikael Persbrandt auditioned for Peter Stormare's part in this movie. Um, yeah, which is weird because he was like Peter Stormare at this point was like a recognizable name in Hollywood. Yeah. Peter or uh, uh, Michael Pashbrandt is still not, not really at all. a recognized name in Hollywood. Exactly. 
He tried a few years ago, yeah. and it didn't really go anywhere, unfortunately. Because yeah. he's a good actor. Yeah. Um, he um he plays the big uh, the big shapeshifter guy in uh, the Hobbit movies, the second Hobbit movie, oh, uh, right. whatever that character is called. Yeah, and uh, but his 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 scene was like severely cut down. Mm. He's in the director's cut a lot more. Um, and the same thing a few years after that, he was in um, the Charlie Hunnam. King Arthur movie where he plays like a Viking guy that they talk to, um, and he's literally in one scene and is basically like ridiculed, <laughs> and that's that's the extent of like like accomplished and like celebrated Swedish actor Mikael Pashbrandt's Hollywood career, <laughs> yeah. which is it's it's really sad. He should he should he should be in more movies. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so that's. That's everything I have to say about this movie, really. Uh, if you, if you yeah. really like, if you really, really can't get enough of Second World War Two action, uh, sure, give it a watch. But sure. if, yeah. if that is not something that you really, really have a need for in your life, you, you should skip this and never look back. <laughs> yeah, I, I, one hundred percent agree. So, um, so. I, I think that's it. Yeah. What are you gonna give it? This is a... Oh, you're right. Um, Does it deserve a score? Uh, uh, no, it deserves a score. Like, like I said in the beginning, it's it's painfully average. But after discussing it, I think I'm gonna have to go down to a four. Four. Okay. Yeah, a four. I was gonna say five, but now this is a four. All right. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna give this a two. <laughs> the lowest okay. score that I've. I've I've given except Deadfall. Deadfall also up too. So this is the same for me. Right. This is the same level as Deadfall. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's but but that's also because I feel I get no enjoyment of wartime right. action You're not at all. Um, I, there is yeah. nothing for me to get there. So and if you edit that out, you get nothing in this movie. <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, but I guess it's it's filmed. Okay, decently, I'd say. I guess. Um, yeah. Could have gone up to a, like a three, maybe even a four, if the music would have been good. But the music is terrible, also. Yeah, I I read something about that actually. That uh, the score that James Horner wrote for this movie is not the one you actually hear in the movie. Because hmm. uh, because the movie was postponed. It was supposed to release right around like September two thousand one, but you know you know nine mm. eleven happened and everything. Yeah. So it said. I read something just quickly um, that the score that he recorded for the movie wasn't used for some reason. Ah, I can't find it now. But it was something like. Well, that. maybe it is and like, actually fifties horror music that he just stole because it's. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, what, what, what is it called? It's um, free. No, it's uh, St- stock music. Yeah, uh, copyright free or whatever. Um, yeah. Yeah. Maybe I don't know. Uh, uh, here it is. Uh, this is the only time that the Oscar winner James Horner worked with director John Woo. Horner, were, Horner was hired because his music gave the film a much bigger scope in its original version uh, before it was re-edited for its June 2002 release. Yeah, so mm. I guess when they edited it, they cut out some of his music as well. Mm. <laughs> feels dumb since he's a very, very accomplished composer. I'm very interested in how in Drake Scott, but not interested enough to actually watch it. <laughs> you you're interested enough to watch a comparison video on YouTube. Yes, exactly. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. I'll do that too. Um, 
Oh yeah. But anyway, so I guess that's it. That's, uh, uh, that was the that's Wind Talkers. 2002 Wind Talkers. Wind Talkers. And next week is this other movie he made in 2002 adaptation. Yes. Which I am. I think I said this last week also. Like I am very excited oh, to watch this one. Yeah, it's a Charlie Kaufman movie, and as yes. we all know, he's interesting. <laughs> Yes, I wouldn't say he's every everyone's cup of tea, but his his uh, interesting. No, but it's always interesting. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, we'll see what you think about it. Yeah, uh, and if you want to follow along in that conversation, be sure to check out uh, adaptation until next week. And also, if you want to support the show, uh, you can check us out on Patreon.com/slash Don't Make a Scene for early access to all these episodes and. Uh, exclusive episodes of my other podcast, Spoilercast, and a bunch of stuff, commentary tracks, and stuff, stuff, and stuff. All for just three bucks a month. Uh, support independent podcasting. But other than that, you know, just follow us on, uh, you know, the, the platform where you're listening to this. We're available on all major ones Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube. And um, yeah, hope to see you in the next one. So thank you for listening. And until the next one, have a good one. Bye. Bye, everyone. Madness in the Method is part of Please Don't Make a Scene. It is hosted by Tobias Vadian and Christopher Billiam. It is produced and directed by Tobias Vadian after a concept by Christopher Billiam. Executive producer is Annika Vadian. A huge thank you to all our supporters over on patreon.com slash don't make a scene. Laura Kinney, Ma